seen it time and time and again, a courtroom scene. Someone is being charged with a crime, and the lawyers parade the witnesses in and out. Their very testimonies have the power to swing the pendulum of fate. The jury, they sit and they listen and they deliver a verdict. And then the judge slams down the gavel and declares a sentence. But what about you? Is the jury still out on you? Do you live this day in and day out existence though someone has handed you a guilty verdict? It feels like we live the good parts and the bad parts of our lives as though they're on a set of scales. And inevitably, bad stuff, it always seems the heaviest. In John chapter 8, we find a woman that was literally dragged out of bed with the man that she was having an affair with. And can you imagine that? I mean, she was caught in the act. We know nothing about her past. We have no idea if this is a long-standing affair. And she just really didn't feel bad about it anymore. Or maybe she had a cruel husband and she felt depressed. And all of a sudden, here comes this man that just finds her fascinating. Regardless, the two of them, in a fit of passion, make this huge mistake. And she had no idea that she was going to be torn from that bed, thrown into public, probably naked, to tumble upon the feet of Jesus. And her accusers want Jesus to judge her. Can you imagine the tape that was playing in her mind that day? Oh, what have I done? I can't believe I keep making the same mistakes. Look at these people judging me, mocking me. I've gone too far. I have gone way too far for now. I never will have a score of life again. Those are real thoughts. And if I'm honest, there's been a good portion of my life where I felt like my soul has been in the courtroom. Not that I was thrown in front of a large crowd where all my sins lay naked for the whole world to see. But I know what I've done. I have dark secrets just like you. I have declared myself guilty. How does guilt manifest itself in everyday life? Have you ever been given a compliment but you just brush it off? Has anyone ever tried to break through that tough exterior to show you love, but your wall is so high there's just no way anyone can get through? And you find yourself yet again alone? Shame and guilt are powerful prisons. But it doesn't have to be that way. There is no jury declaring you guilty. Our innocence is found in Christ. The only sentence you have is found in Romans chapter 8 that says, For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those would be the words that would change this woman's life forever. But before she heard those words, she heard Jesus say as he looked at the crowd, If any of you have never made a mistake, if you are perfect, go ahead and start throwing rocks. And Jesus looked at this woman and said, Woman, where is your jury? Who's condemning you? And the woman looked around, and everybody was gone. And she looked at Jesus. She said, no one. No one is condemning me. And then Jesus looked at the woman and said, 
Well, I don't condemn you either. Go. Go and sin no more. Can you imagine the look on this woman's face when she realized her sentence? Not guilty. And we have been given the same burdens. Aren't you tired of beating yourself up over your past? When are you going to stop being judge and jury and even executioner of your own life? Because if you look in the jury box, no one is there. And if you go to the judge's bench, no one is swinging a gavel declaring your condemnation. And there's not going to be any surprise witnesses coming in at the last minute to bring up embarrassments from your past. You are free. an awesome uh, thought, isn't it? To be uh, free like that. Even though you know deep down in your own mind and history that there's all kinds of things that you haven't let go of yet and uh, each one of them carries their own kind of sentence. Tonight as we're together I mean the reason God would bring us together every year for this thing called Ash Wednesday is, I think, to remind us of the importance of not just living a life of praise and honor and glory to Christ, but to also live that counterbalance in the life, um, that life of repentance. And that's the journey you always begin at Lent. You begin on that journey of looking at your life and uh, being able to be honest about things and find that path of repentance that leads to uh, new life. Uh, it's important that we talk about that um, and, and we get the, the message of that right away uh, from Jesus, not just me telling you, but from, from Jesus as we look at the beginning of his ministry. And in the beginning of his ministry, he he spoke about the balance. In the Gospel of Matthew, he emerges from the wilderness after his temptation, and these are the first words that he proclaims. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. How about you, but I, I, mean, I think that's kind of significant that the first words that he said, started with what we're about tonight. Uh, that, that path, that experience, that opportunity of being able to draw away from the busyness, draw away from the life that we like to order for ourselves, and just to take that deep breath and relax for a while and be honest and find that experience, that path, that he calls us to right away in his ministry. Repent. Believe in the gospel. Turn 
from your sins. Discover the new life. Now, we shouldn't be surprised that Jesus said that. It's, it's something that God has been calling his people to for, you know, ages and generations. Uh, we can go back into the Old Testament and, and see that experience over and over again where, where God's people get wandering and they get full of themselves and, and you know, they get building their own lives apart from him and, and somehow he needs to interdict himself and he needs to interject into their lives somehow. And when he does, he, he interjects with this call to repentance. Um, you may uh, remember the experience of Jonah when he tried to run from God's call and God said, no, Jonah, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to carry this message uh, because it's important that the folks in Nineveh understand the need for repentance, the need for that experience in your life, the need for that balance in your life of having the opportunity of experiencing, showing repentance. And so Jonah finally does get to Nineveh, and the response, of course, is when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he, he uh, stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, he uh, dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent a decree out through the whole city, no one, not even animals from your herds or your flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and every must... Must, everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways, stop all of their violence, and who can tell? Perhaps even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Their action upon hearing that message from Jonah was that action of repentance. And the way they showed that was with burlap and ashes. Burlap and ashes. You see around you tonight the, the, the burlap, and uh, you know, in scriptures it's often referred to as, as a sackcloth, but the idea is that it is a, uh, a rough material. Anybody worn burlap for a length of time? Yeah, well, if you do, you're going to be going, oh man, you know, I mean, it's, it's itchy. In fact, there's some that teach and believe that when it refers to uh, this kind of clothing, the sackcloth, that it was like goat's uh, hide, only it was turned inside out. And so it was rough and, and uh, harsh against the skin. Uh, that kind of sign of, uh, of repentance. What uh, the scripture always calls us to is this, these symbols of understanding the importance of not what we do just on the outside, but what we do on the inside. And we can see from Nehemiah that he's out there trying to build a a new Jerusalem. He's trying to build up the, the walls in, uh, in Jerusalem. And, and before he can accomplish the task of, of building this new life in Jerusalem, he too has to call the people to a period of, of repentance. It says, on October 31st, the people assembled again. And uh, this time they fasted and they dressed in burlap. You see it? Dressed in burlap and they sprinkled dust on their heads or ashes on their heads. And and those who were Israelites um, separated themselves from all the foreigners uh, as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. And they stood in place for three hours. Don't worry, we won't keep you here three hours tonight. Uh, while the book of the law of the Lord of their God was read aloud to them. And for three more hours, 
They confess their sins and worship the Lord uh, their God. Six hours, not a bad deal, huh? Um, but it, it emphasizes, again, why we're here tonight. Um, the need to get that, that balance in our life. To have that constant opportunity to not only live that life that is uh, praise and adoration, but, but equally... To, to get a balance in our life that has its own times of repentance and humility and humbleness. Um, if you look at Matthew, Jesus um, emphasizes that need as well as he looks at some cities where he was and, and, and he did some miracles in them and, and he is just saddened by their response. And he says in Matthew 11, uh, Jesus began to denounce the towns. That's a pretty harsh thing to think about, isn't it? I mean, we like Jesus being warm and loving and kind. And here he's denouncing uh, the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't what? You see how important that is? I mean, I mean here he's in the town doing all the, the, the tremendous things, the praise, the glory, the, the incredible stuff. And, and yet when it's all done... He's in anguish over these towns and in judgment over their, these towns because they didn't receive what he did and they didn't receive that by having that experience of repentance. It is really important for us to, to set aside that time. Why? Well, let me lift up some things tonight that uh, I think validate uh, the need for us to be here tonight and, and bring this into our life. Um, it, it seems that repentance is important to us because it restores us back to our right position. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're so hooked up in our world with, with positions. I mean, it's always interesting to me that, that when we meet people and we have those conversations uh, where we first meet folks, it's like, how long does it take before somebody says to somebody, so, what do you do? Why do we ask that question? I mean, are we really concerned about what they do? Or are we trying to find out, so what's their position? Where, where are they at in life? How, how do they measure up? What's, what's, what's their position? Are they above me or are they below me? Where do I fit with these people? What's the position? Don't we do that? Here, we get Abraham speaking with God, and he's pleading for mercy uh, for others. He's pleading for mercy for others. And, and notice the position as Abraham pleads for mercy, the position he puts himself in, that, that he understands his position. It says, Then Abraham spoke again, Since I have begun, let me speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes. Does he know his position? Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's one of the things that tonight brings to us. It's one of the things repentance brings to us. It's, it's that, that, that humbling opportunity that's good for us to, to, to get out of the world, to get, to get out of the busyness, to get out of all the pressures of the world and, and just get back in the right position. To, to willingly receive that word and, and get, get really the freedom that comes from receiving that word of saying, that's our position. God is God and we are not. We're just dust. God is God, and we don't have to be, because we're just dust. 
I, mean, I don't know about you, but when I, when I think about that, when I, when I hear that, when I, when I get back in that right position, I, I mean, I feel a whole lot of relief in that position because it's a pretty low bar, right? I mean, it's a pretty low bar. I can live up to being dirt, you know, right? I mean, I can live up to being dirt. The, the question is, can I allow myself to stay in the position of dirt and understand? This is the hard part. Understand. That's the best position for me. Because if I'm dirt, it allows God to make me something I could never make myself. We'll see that by the time we get, get into it. That the importance of repentance restores us to position. I think the importance of repentance also is it, it softens our hearts. You know, um, I, I remember with my kids growing up, you know, and they'd come home from school and, and you know, something would have happened that would have been, you know, a crisis for them and, and, and they'd be hurt by it or difficult. And, and, you know, I can't tell you the number of times, you know, as a parent, I, I said, well, you know, you just gotta, you just got to toughen up, Right? I mean, you just got to get some thicker skin going here. You, you just got to gotta toughen up, right? I mean, I coaches in, in uh, you know, middle school and high school, you know, that you're out in the court and, you know, you're in a little pain or something. What's the coach say? Hey, come on, just toughen up. You know, you got to tough your way through it. You heard that before? Yeah. You know, the trouble is that's, I think, what the world does to us, doesn't it? The world toughens us. It, it, it hardens us. And the invitation of repentance is so important to us because it softens us again. It, it softens us. If you look at Joel 2, the prophet says, The Lord announces to his people, Return to me with all your heart. There's still time. Do not eat any food. Sob and cry. Don't, don't just tear your clothes and show how sad you are. But what? Let your hearts be broken. Let them be broken. Let them be soft. Let, let God have his absolute way with your heart. And we get it in, in the New Testament with, with James. He says, come close to God, soften up, come close to God, and God will come close to, close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. That's on the outside. But purify what? Purify your hearts. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And what? And he will lift you up in honor. It is a good thing for us to be dirt. And it is a good thing for us to have a softness in our hearts. To, to let God soften us again. And we get it in Psalm 34 again. It says, the Lord hears, the, hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. I mean, that seems so counter to our culture, doesn't it? And yet... That's exactly where life begins. When we just be dirt, and when we just 
surrender and, and be broken. Because once again, that's the place where, where God can have his way. That's the place where we can experience grace. And, and, and grace, repentance, is so important to us because repentance allows the opportunity to restore grace. To restore grace. When we're so puffed up with ourselves, when we're so full of ourselves, there's no room for us to receive everything that Jesus has accomplished for us. But when we're humble, when we repent, when we become like dirt, and we let our hearts get broken to God, when we just open ourselves up and say, I am nothing, and Christ is absolutely everything, then grace can take over. Grace can take over. Paul struggles with this principle in his life. He says, I've discovered this principle in my life, that, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. You know, what a bummer I am. I love God's law with all my heart, but there, there's another power within me that's at war with my mind, and this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable, miserable person that I am. Do, do you think this guy feels like dirt and is brokenhearted? Absolutely, right? Totally feels like dirt and is brokenhearted. And yet, look at his next words. Who will free, free, free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? He says, thank God. Oh, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. When, when we get serious about tonight and repentance, when, when we get like dirt and we get soft-hearted, we, we open up the opportunity for Jesus to do everything. Because we don't have to do anything. It, it's just being broken hearted and, and like dirt and, and soft and, and ready for him to move in and take control. And, and when we do that, then life takes off. Life begins. It restores life. That's what repentance does. It, it restores us to an incredible life that's not about us, but it's all about him, and it's more than we could dream or imagine. And it, it puts him in charge because, after all, we're just dirt, broken-hearted people. But he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Yeah, if you look at John 8, it's what the video referred to. We see that experience that he described there with, with that woman. You know, and it just says all Jesus did was draw a little bit in the dirt, and, and then he just reminded everybody they were dirt. I mean, he said, he is without sin, cast the first stone. He reminded everybody that they were broken, and, and they had to walk away. But what happened in the middle of it? This woman whose guilt was absolutely obvious to everyone and to her, and to Jesus, gets the opportunity of a new life. That's where it begins. When we repent, when we are like dirt, when we just give up and have broken soft hearts, and let God have his way. Paul says, if you belong to Christ Jesus, you won't be punished. The Holy Spirit will give you life that comes from Christ Jesus and will set you free from sin and death. It's an, a great image when you look at Jeremiah. And, and he gives us kind of the image of what we're about tonight. And the image is that of a potter uh, in clay. And, and God tells Jeremiah to go down to a potter. He says, Lord gave me another message. And he said, go down to the potter shop. I'll speak to you there. And boy, he really does. He says, so I did, as he told me, and I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making didn't turn out as he had hoped. 
So he crushed it into a lump of clay again, and he started over. Then the Lord gave me this message. O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to this clay? As the clay is in the potter's hands, so you are in my hands. There it is. Repentance is the opportunity to become that clay. Uh, tonight, one of the things we want to uh, do is, uh, you know, we're not going to give you a whole piece of burlap to wear uh, the next 40 days, but um, we have, when you come forward for the, the imposition of ashes baskets here with uh, pieces of burlap. Um, and, and we hope you'll, you'll take that and, you know, just leave it in your pocket every day for the next 40 days. Um, and, you know, when you put your hand in there and you rub up against it, to let it be a reminder for you of what tonight was about and, and the need, the, the opportunity, the, the freedom that comes when you just enter into repentance. And, and if you look at it, you'll notice that uh, there's a cross stained on it. And the invitation is, and it really is the invitation of tonight, to take tonight and this Lent as an opportunity to look at the stains that are in your life. The scars, the hurts, the stains, the stuff that you just need to, to let go of and, and become dirt and become soft-hearted and be able to surrender once again and say, I am nothing. I am absolutely nothing. But Christ is everything. And he makes us everything. We hope you'll just put that in your pocket and throughout the day, throughout this whole walk of Lent, you'll think about being that lump of clay that God can just keep molding and shaping. And that's what leads us to the life of praise. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight and uh, we want to be uh, that clay. We want to be that dirt uh, that has all the possibilities of receiving your glory, of, of receiving everything you can accomplish in and through our lives, of doing more than we dream or imagine. But we know that life, that incredible life, starts with just being repentant, just being humble, soft-hearted, broken people, who acknowledge that you are everything to us. So, Father, tonight we want to make this night about you and not about us. In a night where you have your way with us, we ask this humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.